Fate would like to thank Colart for sponsoring this episode of Positive Space. A longtime supporter of Fate, Colart are the people behind companies such as Windsor & Newton, Liquitex, Conti, Reeves, and a whole host of others. Need an art supply? One of Colart's companies probably covers it. Find out more at colart.com. Welcome to Positive Space, Conversations and Art Foundations, a production of Foundations in Art, Theory, and Education, also known as FATE. Positive Space is a podcast providing opportunities for those passionate about art foundations to discuss and promote excellence in the development and teaching of college-level foundations in art studio and art history classes. Welcome to Positive Space. Thank you for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Joining us today via Skype is Chung Fan Chang. Welcome, Chung Fan. Thank you for having me, Valerie. Oh, you're so welcome. This is so exciting. Um, I was thinking maybe you could just start by giving us, you know, a quick intro to your artwork, teaching background, and maybe just remind us where you're currently teaching. Um, sure. I My work, uh, studio practice, dealt with cultural influences, um, mainly Chinese, Taiwanese influences, displacements, and a little bit uh, aspect of spirituality through painting, works on paper, installations, video, and some other mirrors in the local community occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been teaching, uh, started teaching back when I was in Taiwan and uh, travel study abroad in the United States. After that, I started doing teaching assistance um, when I was in grad school at SCAD, Savannah College for Art and Design. And uh, um, after that, I taught at Community College and Jackson State University. And now I'm teaching at Stockton University as an assistant professor of art. Wow, you've you've been on on tour. It sounds like <laughs> <laughs> incredible, incredible. Well, so you know, I guess maybe starting at the beginning seems like a good thing to do, right? So, I'm curious. When you were growing up, were you did you always think that you would you would be an artist when you were growing up in Taiwan? When I was little, my father and my parents sort of forced me to study piano. So we have like extensive lessons of piano me and my um my sister both and then I just start feeling so much pressure on that um it's probably a very typical eastern sort of parenting education so I start to not liking the piano lessons and then I told my father that I wanted to paint I wanted to draw so that's how I get started I think around the age of of 10 ish maybe so my father then took me to art studios, private art studios. Um, there, we have tons of those places around the city. So we visit studios and found one that um, we really like and then started taking lessons. And um, that's just, yeah, me and my sister started all together and she quit in the middle of high school and I just kept going and I, I just loving it. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. So you would, you would go to these lessons and was, was that, was that every single day or was that um, occasionally? I can't remember if it's every single day, but it's pretty intense. So we have like a middle school, uh, during my elementary school and high, uh, middle school, we will go, uh, my father would took me and take the train to the city and take the art lessons 
probably twice, at least twice a week, or maybe uh, at least once a week. But when we have what we call an entry exam through middle school and high school, and during that time of preparing an exam for art concentration, then we we often go pretty intensive um, to, you know, polish the skill, the techniques, and the control of the media, all that good stuff, calligraphy. Right, <laughs> right. Wow. So, so then, I mean, in terms of foundations, in terms of art, how what does that look like in Taiwan versus in the United States? Because you've been doing foundations here for a while. Right. Um, the education uh, formally that I receive in Taiwan, it's very, um, I would say individual because um, this, the instructor, that's how we start the courses. Student go into the studio and the instructor will give a particular student demo of a particular technical skills, whether it's drawing or painting, watercolor, etc., calligraphy and um, different media. And then the studio, the student will then complete a painting or a project in say within three hours or two hours and then the instructor will come back and sort of critique the project individually and Mm -hmm. that critique is particularly visualizing because the instructor will then what we call it correct the painting (laughs) i don't know oh wow (laughs) right so it's very direct so there's not so much verbal critique but a lot of critique is through correcting demonstrations and the sort of one-on-one concentrating so that's how you um i guess copy and paste the skills yeah and so they would paint on your painting or draw on your drawing to correct any kind of like perspective lines or shading or what have you Right. The, the uh, instructor will look from your perspective through whether it's still alive and check on your proportion, the lighting, the you know, to sure. make sure everything looks convincing. Was that really scary? I mean, that, that seems like that might be sort of an intense, nerve-wracking experience a little bit because you have this thing that you've spent time on and then to have an instructor then um, immediately mark right on it. Right. It's very different uh, experience, but that's um, how I got used to it. I mean, um, I became so uh, interested in seeing different instructors and how they demonstrate. And I'm a very visual person. So I I start looking at them. I start, you know, sort of copy what they're doing and then I then present it to them. And what What's really interesting is that I enjoy them correcting because I then see what's coming from their perspective and that's what I didn't see or I didn't notice when I creating the drawing or painting. So the correcting is sort of an experience for me that it's so rich and so in, um, immediate response to my work. It's not about... I'm creating a perfect drawing. It's about learning what they cor- uh, correcting me, and then I'm able to gain more skills or gain different perspectives, so that I'm creating project or artwork that is sure. more satisfying. Right. Well, so then you go to SCAD and you're getting your MFA there, and I imagine there's group critiques, and you're experiencing a very different kind of, of classroom environment. How how is that in terms of adjusting? It is a total different ballgame out of that. <laughs> I mean, it's coming from a very non-verbal in- environment to a very 
global critiques where you have to contribute to the discussions and have opinion and be able to share that vision to with others and refine your communication skills and be able to express yourself effectively. That's something that I didn't have sort of this, you know, throughout my art education back in Taiwan. So that's definitely a very fresh and could be very frustrating depends on how you look at it and, you know, from <laughs> different languages and different how you frame words and how you describe your experience, which nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> right, right. Right, so. Gosh, well, I mean, and, and just imagining coming from another country and then when you go to grad school, that's hard enough wherever you're from, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. What did that feel like? I mean, in terms of, of being from another country and being immersed in, you know, Savannah in the South in an art school that's very rigorous and uh, competitive. What was that like? It was very, um, I would say very eye-opening and it was just filled with excitement because mm. every day it's something new and, you know, coming from a different background, obviously, and different kind of task for me to adjust. And But that's the whole point of me coming uh, to another country because I made a decision that I want to experience what's outside of Taiwan or what's outside my country. I want to know more. Mm, that's incredible. That, that's, that's really amazing. And so, so then what got you into teaching? How did that become something that you were really passionate about? I didn't know if I mentioned this already. My father is a professor teaching in uh, college uh, in English. So I grew up listening his speech at home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, I imagine. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I sort of got used to that and learning my father's teaching. And also he also studied abroad in Chicago back in the, I would, I would say probably 70s, during mm-hmm. the 70s. Right, and his experience of study abroad. So uh, that sort of grew out of me um, over the time of being teaching um and I started in during my college years in Taiwan, where the studio that I often go, goes to after I get accepted into college, the owner of the studio wants me to start sharing my learning experience and teaching kids or high school folks. So mm-hmm. I started doing that, and uh, I just like to share what I know. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's that's really incredible to have a father that was a professor, um, and and then it sounds like your parents were really supportive of you coming and learning, and were okay with you saying, "I don't want to do piano anymore. <laughs> I I want right. to paint. I want to draw. I want to do this um, in a way that's 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 really serious and that's really devoted." Wow. So so thinking about that journey to Savannah, and then going, and then from there you went to Jackson. Mississippi is is that right? Right, right. After a year of graduation, I moved to Jackson, Mississippi. Right, and you were the foundations coordinator there. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I am. Yeah, I and you, you you are, and yeah. <laughs> 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 right. And um, and so is is that when you got involved in the fate community? Yes, that's exactly um, um, how I started. I, I started 
the think tank actually. I didn't start、oh, yeah. the fate. First, I start. I first attend think tank seven. And、uh, I think it's Integrative Teaching International at the Art Institute of Chicago. That's where how we I met you. I yes,、believe. yes, of course. I, think <laughs> I was trying to think. I was preparing for this chat, and I was thinking, okay, I've known you for it seems like a really long time. How did I meet you? I don't. I mean, it's just sometimes it's it's a blur of experiences, and I, I know that I, I see you often. It's always so nice and pleasant <laughs> to, to to see your happy face. But that, I think you're you're right. I think that's when we we met in, in Chicago. Yes, that was back, I believe, two thousand and twelve. And then、um, that was my first fate-related experience. Oh wow! Yeah, because those communities are there's a lot of overlap, and of course, in terms of vision and and ideas, and there's a lot of great humans, in my opinion, that are involved in in, in both. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah, and then I want to say you you came to Huntsville for like a fate regional or something, didn't you? Yes, I did. Come a,、uh, a couple times, I think. Yes, I think. Right, right. I think so.、Um, and you came to Jackson for a regional too. So. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I'm curious in terms of the places that you've taught and the, the different experiences that you've had. What are your thoughts on diversity? You know, just in in art or in the classroom or or even in the fake community. I think it's diversity. It's such. A word that we use in all kinds of communities in the university administrative.、Right. I think it really boils down to you know every single member of the community to believe and to engage others to join and to share. I think it's taking strategic plans to reach out to folks that that are teaching, for example, the HBCU、uh, SU HBCU. I think. Um, <laughs> Right, I know. <laughs> and reach out to, for example, the Chinese Art American Art Faculty Association or others, perhaps to launch a fake diversity initiation, perhaps,、oh, yeah. um, with a goal to just involve voices that often not considered mainstream, but reflect our student body and diversity, and maybe perhaps global and international students. And That's, it's just、yeah. right. You you have to hope for a more inclusive dialogue in in the long term, and it, it does take time. It does. It really does, and 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 I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming. I think you know when when we're in a big room and it's like, wow, are we really including everyone? Is there really everyone's voices and opinions here in this room? And I I think we all want more of that. But I think sometimes it's it's a little bit it's, it's sort of hard to know for, for some like how how to start that, right? Yeah, I think to reach out is the basic, you know, to reach out to folks that are often not included or, or not aware of or not engaged. Then that's the first effort, and then how to、uh, create a comfortable or even attractive environment. For them to participate, I think that also reflect a very inclusive sort of environment and safe for even educators. 
Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, and do you, do you find that you're able to relate to students more because you remember what it was like to come to SCAD and, and have to use language in a way that maybe you hadn't before? Yes, particularly uh, when I encounter non-art majors or students that are not primarily art students, um, when they find in the language of describing their works or describe what they're trying to uh, achieve, sometimes I can relate their frustration to my language frustrations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, I mean, I, I think it's so important for us to remember what what it's like, you know, what 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 it's like to be 18 or, or what it's like to to sort of feel left out or to feel like I don't know anybody here or, um, you know, all those kinds of feelings that, that can happen in, in lots of different contexts. I think that's that's such a valuable thing. I mean, have have you with teaching or, or with being in higher education have has that been something that's come across for you in terms of feeling like, I don't know how to word this, as I'm <laughs> tap dancing around many things in, in my mind. But I mean, I guess I'm, I'm curious because, you know, you have such a unique perspective and and I think it's it's one that, you know, that I don't have. And I'm, I'm just curious when, when you're at conferences or when you're at a faculty meeting or, or wherever, is it something that you're really aware of? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, whether it's in conferences or whether it's in a meeting with my colleagues, uh, you know, there's definitely what we call friendly environment where Mm -hmm. everybody shares opinion. Um, But definitely there is also that cultural differences, whether you frame your sentences or your, your thinking logic is different. And that that I think it's a good thing for conversation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's crucial to have um, as many different opinions at the table and points of view because it's like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Or that's, a, that's, that's helpful to be reminded and to, to sort of challenge our own perspectives. You know, right. I'm, I'm curious, like, in terms of thinking about being in the classroom and, and if if you notice a student that is, is maybe feeling left out or is um, feeling challenged by even just the, the critique, which can be any student, right? I mean, it's yes. overwhelming to, to talk about your work. It's overwhelming to talk about um, ideas about who you are or, or where you come from or, or what's important to you. Um, and often our students talk about those kinds of things, you know, in the critique environment. And so do you have any, any tips for how to, how to make, someone else, you know, maybe feel more included or feel safer to, to talk about their own work? I think it's uh, the openness and acceptance. Um, to me, it's to give students an equal chance to speak, to discuss, and to share. Um, I think to engage students is not just giving them individual attention throughout their learning process to check in with them to make sure they're doing okay, to grow with them, but also to challenge them with my own experience and cultural background. But at the same time, empower them with encouragement and acknowledgement and information knowledge. I think to be kind and to be positive is so important. Therefore, um, I might hopefully attract the kindness and engage um, engagement 
in the students as a result of creating sort of a safe and fun learning environment. It really takes a effort to make sure that there is absolutely openness and that acceptance, whether you can draw or whether you're coming from a different background, whether you can draw very well, you know, if one student fell, everyone fell. And that's, that is something I stress to emphasis in the class, which if everybody felt that is a success because that's a unity and that's helping each other um, and not judging each other. And mm. right. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 so smart. I mean, I, I I love what you said about be kind and be positive. I mean, I think that's that's a wonderful way to think about the classroom space and just the the world space, you know, that we find ourselves in. Wow, that's 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 really that's really exciting. And you know, I, I think that the experience that we have as professors, there's so much there's so much power, there's so much importance and the things that we say to students, they're going to remember. Like, I mean, I, I can remember certain, certain things professors said to me when I was younger and, and just those things, you carry them around with you, whether they're um, encouraging words, hopefully, or um, really challenging, maybe not, not as encouraging words, um, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's really a privilege, right? I mean, it's, it's really incredible that we get to to interact that's my dog olive agreeing with us i'm sure <laughs> she is overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. she is very excited about this conversation of kindness but well and you know i'm i'm interested in what you said about judging that we don't want students to feel judged i mean how do you how do you just do you talk about that with students like hey we're going to talk about the work but we're going to be critical but we're not being judgmental or we're going to be only positive. I mean, I guess, how do you set up a critique in class? Um, usually, well, I, you know, sort of give them a safety shot at the beginning of the semester um, to tell them that critique is all about openness. I think openness is probably the opposite of judgmental, because if you are open, I think you are able to accept criticism or feedbacks or comments that you didn't expect. So that openness is something I always emphasize during the critique. You have to be open. Critique is the time where you get to be at a distance of your work and hear other people's opinion or comments. Um, so that openness is something I I stood firmly with my students and when they have sort of a judgmental um, comments, I often soft the comments up a little bit and bring other aspects to the students so they're able to accept it better than how it was originally delivered. So I give them sort of a, a cushion. If you will say mm, visually. Sure, sure, of course. No, that 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 completely makes sense. So, so sort of like reframe it or maybe like reword it in a way that might be a little bit easier to swallow for, for that student, but also hopefully might model a little bit more kindness or openness within that conversation. Yes, and I believe uh, um, the kindness of the students. So if you give a very harsh judgment uh, or comments, I believe that it's coming from a good 
did. So um, depends on the student that's receiving it. If I have confidence that they can accept it well, then I won't reframe it. Um, I'll let them have it 100%. <laughs> right. Sure, sure. So it really just depends on the circumstance and, of course, the student. Absolutely. Wow. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if there's, with the climate of the world right now and with all the things that are, that are happening and that continue to happen with, with politics or with things we read about in the news, are you, do you find that you're hearing a lot about that in the classroom from students in foundations? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there are some voices, you know, because it, I mainly dealt with uh, freshmen and sophomores, some occasionally seniors. and But in the foundation courses, sometimes we have open projects and students get to really talk about what they care about um, in the society or issues. Um, but often I have political conversation with my colleagues as well. We all very open to share opinions and Sometimes debates too. <laughs> that's great. That's that's great though. Right. Yes, because you you can't agree with everything. Um, everybody has different unique perspectives, so that de- debate um, is a better understanding of each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, I think it would be so so dull to just sit around and have a conversation with somebody that was just like me. I mean, how, how exhausting, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I wouldn't learn anything new, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be challenged. I wouldn't be made to think about what it's like to be in someone else's perspective, you know, in someone else's shoes. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well, um, you know, I'm curious, do you have a, you know, a project that you're really excited about that you teach in foundations that, that you want to share with us? I, this past spring semester, I have taught a new courses where I get to really share my calligraphy and the sort of the Eastern of aesthetics in this course. So we have um, some projects, um, one particular is the calligraphy project. I have printed out 40 pages, that's a lot, <laughs> 40, page, 40 pages of handouts of Chinese characters that nobody understands. And I teach them the simple eight basic stroke that will help them manipulate through all different kinds of Chinese characters and then have them revisit line, shades, emphasis of flying weight, and the lightness and darkness of the ink, and to create their own languages, whether it's a English languages or their inventive languages or symbols to talk about um, the composition of words. Because in Chinese characters, it's, it looks like a picture. So you compose a letter, you paint a letter, or you write a letter, or you write a word. So that aspect really, I think they, I was very unsure about this project at the beginning when I first started planning. But I, I really want to give it a try. So, and I think the student respond well. Um, some of them just many copy and paste and become a very meditative and repetitive process for them, which is in in other words very I guess soothing. Um, but some students really grow 
out of that project and want to write and continue to write characters that and want to learn how to read foreign characters. So that was something I didn't expect. But then it get them to think about words and languages and think about lines and different stroke manipulations with brushes and the control of brushes techniques. So that was a fun project. That sounds, I mean, I want to do that project. That, that sounds incredibly, <laughs> incredibly fascinating. I mean, especially for those that, I mean, of course, are curious about painting, but, but also those that are designers, you know, that are curious about type and you know, pattern and, and those, those kinds of things. Also, do you have them do a series of, of these re- reproductions or reinterpretations or is it just one sort of one end result? Um, there's four different styles of the uh, script that I printed out for them. Um, they each have a very unique style of writing. So we have cursive writing, um, um, the uh, rounding script and different um, variety of script with similar words. So they first used to four different writing style in Chinese, and then they sort of pick up the um, design that they like um, and then create their own languages. Some people even see English characters like T-E within a Chinese character that's something it's, I learned so much <laughs> oh wow I, I bet that's that's a really nice way to talk about um you know who we are and our in our interpretations of things or maybe like misunderstandings or yeah just sort of be uh, wide open to all kinds of conversations I would imagine right right absolutely and it's also about cultures as well. Um, you know, in English, you write from left to right, top to bottom. But in Chinese, you write a different direction. So you write from right to left, top to bottom. You know, so there's different aspects of associated with the languages and associated with the meanings. And, and just to get them to be open and aware of what's out there, I think that's um, something worth to try. <laughs> well, sure. And, and I think it helps to encourage them to be curious, you know, and, and to want to learn new things and to uh, maybe be kind of comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, in, in that process of trying, um, trying something they're maybe not familiar with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Well, Chung Fan, it has been wonderful and delightful to chat with you today. And I just really, really appreciate uh, your willingness to talk with us. And I'm, I'm just so thrilled that, that we were able to do this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your effort on getting everybody included in the conversation. That's it. That is meaningful to others. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Positive Space. If you're interested in being part of FATE's ongoing conversation about art foundations, visit the FATE website at foundationsart.org. Don't forget the dash between foundations and art. This episode's interview was conducted by Valerie Powell and was engineered and edited by Raymond Gaddy. Our theme music was provided by Lee Rosevier. If you like what you hear on Positive Space, be sure to give us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you find your podcast. Better yet, send us some audio. 
you can call Positive Space at 904-990-FATE. That's 904-990-3283. You may find your voice on the next episode of Positive Space.